Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and welcome to episode 21 of Ain't No Free Lunch. Tykeena and I start off by talking about Serena Williams' baby miracle and the marketing nightmares that too many major organizations and companies are having lately. However, for the rest of the episode, we would like to offer a content warning. We discuss mental health through the lens of the Cleveland Facebook killer, the new Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, and the untimely death of former NFL player Ann Hernandez. If this is something that you feel uncomfortable or listening to or triggered by, we would advise you to stop listening right after the break. We could all be better in how we can destigmatize mental illness. And here at Ain't No Free Lunch, we just try to discuss actionable solutions to how we as a community can make this happen. All right, let's eat. Toss and turn, I keep stressing my mind, mind I look for peace, but see I don't attain What I need for keeps, this silly game we play We laugh! <laughs> You're so embarrassed. First of all, I'd like to apologize for Danielle. and that She's the reason we've been absent for what? How are you going to apologize for me? You are so rude. It's been since March 9th. It has been since March 9th. That's been a really long time. It's been too long. I fully blame you. I wasn't the one that was traveling around the the country visiting schools that you knew that you weren't attending. No, 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 no. I was genuinely like perplexed and stressed out. I had to visit all these schools. I had to compare them and decide where I wanted to go. And you didn't care once the rankings dropped. What? Yes, they. Yes, I did. The rankings were already existed prior to my considerations. So, do you have an announcement for the listeners? I do, but you're not gonna hate on me. So, where are you going to school? So, in the fall, fall 2017, I'll be at Stanford, Stanford University. I heard. Brock, I heard Brock Turner is gonna re-enroll. So. You heard that from where? Uh, Nowhere. Twitter, I think. You know, Twitter is where I get most of my news now. Twitter is where I get the majority of my news unless I'm at my parents' house and I have their Sunday paper. So, Stanford Cardinals, congratulations. But can we talk about... I believe it's like Stanford Cardinal. I don't think there's an S. Because it's like a color. Tiger Woods went there. I know Tiger Woods went there. I don't really care. Although I saw this great episode of Fresh Off the Boat that was low-key, high-key, super dedicated to him. Mm. Now he's been out Everyone there watch. making America great again, and his golf game is terrible now. But anyway, what's been up? Uh, Serena Williams is pregnant. That's what's been up. And the Lord blesses us yet again. Can we just fully bask in the in the realization that Serena Williams and Beyonce are both pregnant right now at the same time? I'm just so I just feel so blessed to be alive, you know, during this time period. I mean, I'm blessed to be alive, but they ain't got nothing to do with Serena or Beyonce. 
Beyonce. I feel blessed to be alive. Why? Please, why? Tell us why. Just because this is like emerging greatness. Have you ever been to a a Beyonce concert? She won the Australian Open. Now, that was amazing. That was amazing. That's crazy. I'm happy for her. I can't run around the block when I've eaten too much and I have a food baby. She had like a real baby inside of her. Yeah, I wonder if will she retire after this or will she come back? That's what I'm curious about. I just want her to come back just one more time so she can beat Maria Sharapova. Just one more time. And like a, a final somewhere. Because I'm always perplexed because I have a friend named Malik. Very dear and near to my heart. Total tennis nut. Absolutely loves Maria Sharapova and I keep trying to tell him like I don't understand she's like met Serena Williams like what 19 times and has lost 17 of those 19 times bro yeah. let it go let it go she's Serena, not the best Serena just has her number I used to be a fan of Anna Kornikova but you know she could never win I just wasn't she just like kind of famous because she dated Enrique Iglesias and Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, so I was a fan of her. And she was like a that. model. Yeah, I think she ended up posing like for one of those magazines with no clothes on or something. But I really I liked one her of before those then. Magazines. I liked her before then, but she uh, she just she could never win. So I mean, I see. I think. Maria Sharapova definitely has a lot of talent, but they're both like blonde, like tall, athletic white women, and they that sells product in the United States of America. Um, and so they just were able to get a lot of endorsements. Yeah, which is why everybody knew their names. Well, didn't Maria Sharapova have the drug ban? She did. She actually just got back and she pled guilty to that, mind yeah. you. Um, because I remember last year you and I had this conversation. I don't think it was on Ain't No Free Lunch, but we had this conversation about how Maria Sharapova, who has been dominated by Serena Williams, like dominates Serena in endorsement dollars. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I think it's highly problematic. But either way, I just want Serena's daughter or son to come out and just be amazing. I actually low-key hope it's a girl. So that way, if Maria Sharapova somehow is still playing, you know, 15 years from now, that Serena's offspring can beat her too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably like the most impressive thing about Serena Williams' career is the longevity you know, tennis players don't last this long. And, you know, what? She's mid-30s now and still dominant. She's 35, I yeah. want to say. And still dominant. And not, like, still kind of dominant, but still, like, absolutely dominant. Like, she turns 36 this year. It's bananas. She's won $84 million worth of prize money. Of like just from like winning. Yeah, my friend. Uh, have you ever met my friend EJ? No, I don't think I've ever met him. So EJ told me he was on the flight one time and uh, first class and ended up sitting beside Serena Williams. 
And he mm-hmm. said she's like the most down to earth person yeah. in the world. He said that uh, she was up there eating <laughs> eating some Bojangles chicken. She just that just makes me so happy because I I seriously like love her so much, <laughs> like super love her so much. And so I follow her on all forms of social media. I don't know. I just I follow think her on Snapchat amazing i'm so happy that she's pregnant uh i saw it and i just smiled and i i like talked about it with my friends and i just hope she has the most major glow up ever you you know i said this once i'm on twitter and no one took the bait and tried to argue with me but serena williams is the most dominant athlete of our era i don't think anybody's can anybody disagree? Like yeah, some I don't people will know. disagree, but I mean, I don't even. Th- I can't. Like she, she's won an Australian Open, pregnant. She, she's recovered from I don't, injuries. I don't even know. I don't even think there can be. She's won a gold medal in. They won like, singles and doubles gold medal, right? Yes, in in two thousand twelve. Like she, I, mean, I don't know. Like I just. I can't see someone arguing it and winning. And I don't have enough sports knowledge, but like given my sports knowledge, I would easily be like, she's just the greatest single greatest athlete ever. Like period. The end. Oh, it's over. You have to throw a boxer or two up there just because of the race element. Like Jack Johnson. If you say Jack Johnson to your dad, he's going to know who he is. I mean, he was. I know who Jack Johnson um, is and all of his white women. Yeah. But Jack Johnson was... He's more famous for his white women during the time he lived than his boxing. I know who he is. He was dominant. So He was. He was dominant. But I don't know. I just... There's something about Serena. I feel like she is amazing. If she wasn't a woman, like we would celebrate marrying that billionaire co-founder of Reddit. Like, girl, <clears throat> if you don't just, like, glow all the way up. And continue. Just, I want her to thrive hold, hold, and prosper and flourish the rest of her life. Hold on, are you supporting gold digging now? Who said she's gold? Did I tell you? Did you miss when I said that she has made eighty-four million dollars yeah, in prize yeah, money? Yeah, but you just said that she can glow because she won. Like she married this billionaire. I'm just kind of like, no. I said I want her to continue to glow and thrive. And flourish, okay. okay? And know, if she I love a woman that has her own a billionaire to you know her trophies. Do you, Serena? Live your life. I mean, yeah. she's also like in love with him and all that other stuff too. I guess that's important. You guess? <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, what kind of example are you? You leave in the classroom and you just up here just being a bad example to young women. How am I being a bad example to young women by telling Serena to flourish to live? That's like me being mad at Eve because she got her a billionaire. Do you, boo boo? Live your life. So flourish. In other news, <laughs> what do you think about all of these brands just tricking it up over the past few weeks? You know, United, like- Pepsi, Sean Spicer, then Shea Moisture. It's just kind of like. They all need a PR one-on-one class. Ain't No Free Lunch is available for you all. Just want to throw that out there. It's been like back to back to back of like people 
just not knowing. Well, number one, a lot of these instances, and I'm not saying all of these instances, but like a lot of these instances just should have never happened. Period. But once they do happen, like you, these are like multi-million dollar companies. There is nobody on the staff who can apologize appropriately or properly. Like Pepsi apologized to Kendall Jenner. What? I'm going to tell you, Kendall, Kendall Jenner has, I don't know what she has, but she has something like she got a paycheck. She's an adult. And they still apologized to her. That blew my mind. She got like, paid. And they, I like, I don't understand where these things, like, United's, their apology, their CEO's apology was trash. Like, who is proofreading this? Yeah, they need to hire us. I'm going to tag them in this episode. Or, like, just say, mm, I'm, it's like the apology of, I'm sorry if you were offended. Instead of saying, like, I'm sorry if I was, or not even if, I'm sorry that I was offensive. Like, there's a significant difference between I am sorry if you were offended or I'm sorry if I was offensive in comparison to I'm sorry that I was offensive. Like, I did something that offended you. And I'm acknowledging it. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know. It's just problematic. Hire us if you need to. I'll sit there and write apologies all day for you. Thanks. For, you know, figures. I'm about to add it to my Twitter bio, apology writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not hard. Like, I know you have. There, there's got to be somebody. Got to be somebody on your staff that, like, when something goes down, they are always available for that quick apology. Yeah, like the real life Olivia Pope. Fix Basically. it. Yeah. Basically. That's what I want to do. I just want to go around being a fixer. Oh, you want to be Olivia Pope? No, not Olivia Pope, but I want to be a fixer. Oh, side note yesterday I had an epiphany. I know we aren't talking politics at all, but. But. I have a feeling Ivanka Trump may run for president in 2020. Stop. Uh, uh, uh. I can't. I hope not. I mean, she might be setting herself up for it. And I'm sure 53%, the same 53% that sold us out before, will vote for her. Did, but- you, did you see the newest poll that, like, of Trump supporters was it 96 or 98 percent of them said that they see like they support him 100 percent with everything he's did over the past 100 days and but we're not talking politics today we're not talking politics. Uh, yeah we just can't like I can't and I, I don't have anything to say Danielle at a loss for words wow I I think I'm taking the lead of our president who probably has a vocabulary of about mm, 50 words big very great yeah. everybody will like it yeah you're gonna be so tired of winning you're gonna win so much you're gonna be tired of winning america first by oh, american higher america anyway i thought that uh today we do since we're returning we would do something a little bit different on this episode i think it's time for something different um also, we just need to be different in terms of being more consistent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you all can hold me accountable. We can have a we can set up a jar, and whenever someone like 
flakes on an appointment or can't make an appointment, they'll put a dollar in there and then we'll donate it to a charity at the end of the year. But I miss y'all. I don't know about Danielle, but I miss y'all. No, let's do that. I will just say that Tykeen will have more money in his jar than I will. Bet the bread. I'm always available. Okay. <laughs> so what are, what are we doing that's different this time? So much like we did with the Brock Turner episode and we talked about sexual assault, I think in light of some of the things that are transpiring around the world, as well as a lot of people kind of need for self-care right now, I think we should dedicate this episode to mental health awareness. So let's talk about it. So last Sunday, Easter, yeah, and it was on Easter. Crazy. Yeah, I. It was also the tenth anniversary of the Virginia Tech shooting. Oh right, because um, something that's big in Virginia. I mean, I mean, I think it's big nationally, but it's really big it in is, Virginia. But I mean, and, and so that shooting like really hit home for me for a number of reasons. But that afternoon, my brother and I went fishing. And so I said, I'm just mm-hmm. going to ignore my phone and uh, we're just going to have a good time out here on the lake on the boat. So when I got back to my phone, there was I had an alert from like CNN or someone said Facebook live murderer is on the loose. I didn't think anything of it. Then I opened Twitter and was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. So most of you all know. Initially, they were reporting that it, it had transpired on Facebook Live, but he actually uploaded the video. But a shooter killed a 74-year-old man, Mr. Robert Godwin, who was walking home from an Easter dinner. Um, and the shooter blamed his ex, whose name is Joy Lane, mm-hmm. for making him go on this rampage. And uh, he claimed that he killed 14 or 15 other people. But to date, those claims have been unsubstantiated. But I kind of wanted to process this a little bit, right? Okay. I I saw a number of things happening on social media. So first of all, I was really, really, really upset. And I used really that many times to mock your president. Your president, excuse me. But I was really upset because CNN... Fox News and MSNBC, all of them ignored this issue primarily. Like it had over 1 million tweets. CNN and uh, Fox News were playing like the 13 commandments. And MSNBC mm-hmm. was playing one of those old locked up episodes. But they were really ignoring this. And so then I saw people blaming Joy Lane, his ex-girlfriend. What? I yeah. did not see that. Yeah, it was it was really I thought it was ridiculous. But people are like, well, this is what happens when you aren't nice to people and she should have just answered his calls and just kind of like, I'm sure this is probably part of the reason why she left him. Yeah. Well, for me, I watched it in the kitchen as we were setting the table for. Oh, you um, actually watched the video? No, I did not see the actual video. I wish I did. It watch came it. up on CNN. I can't, I couldn't watch it. You know, I don't I don't watch videos of like death. But we were setting the Easter table and it popped up on the television 
And we just kind of all stopped in our tracks, like my entire family, Bradley, Ben, my mom, my dad, and just were like in awe and, and just no one could say anything. And they showed, they showed the video up until the point of him raising the gun and then they cut to something else, um, which I thought was, you know, problematic in itself that they were showing it. But I pretty much avoided social media after that because I knew like inner ignorance that people had was definitely going to come out. And like my family, we, we prayed about it, like prayed for the family of the victim because we, it, it was just, I don't know. It just unnerved me. And then the fact that people would blame the person that who had removed herself from a situation that was probably not healthy for her. Right. Only like days it, removed from the San Bernardino shooting at the elementary right, school. Right. Where, you know, the man came in and, and shot a, his, I don't know if it was his current wife or his ex-wife. No, but that was his wife. Divorcing she, him. She, she has, they had separated, but that was his wife. Right. And so, like, the thing about it is, like, you cannot blame someone from removing themselves from some from a situation or a person who is not healthy. It's not healthy, you know. Sure. Self care aside, like this is life or death for some people. And I mean, in her case, honestly, she was particularly lucky because we know from domestic violence, the vast majority of women who are killed at the hands of domestic violence are killed <clears throat> after they leave the relationship right not during not while they're in the relationship so the fact that she was able to remove herself from that that relationship where he was clearly struggling with some sort of something and i don't want to diagnose him because that's not my place absolutely Um, is not and i don't think it's healthy that we diagnose him with anything but i think you know his mental health you know, questions about it. I understand why people would raise it, but it obviously wasn't going to be something that would have ended positively for her. Right. So in that case, I find her to be incredibly lucky if that was something that he was that upset about and wanted, obviously this to be something that she had to think about for the rest of her life. Like that was, those were the last words that that man said was her name. Yeah. You know, I watched a video I didn't. I can't. I can't assassinate Mr. Godwin. And uh, it was one of those things like it really it bothered me that an innocent, you know, always always say that these things rarely happen to like an innocent bystander. You know, of course, we have some incidents in Richmond right now, specifically with children being shot and killed by mm. a stray bullet or something. But, you know, as as a rule, these things don't typically happen to, like, the innocent bystander. We always talk about proximity crimes, and usually it's not just proximity. Like, you have some type of relationship. Right. So I, I watched the video, and it was just kind of like, man, like, this is cold-blooded murder. And, you know, yeah. the, the man was just walking, minding his business, and, you know how many times I've been somewhere walking or riding my bike and someone asked me, hey, can I use your cell phone or how are you doing today? You know, any of those things could set someone off. Yeah. And so, you know, that put a lot of things in perspective for me. And 
So after an almost 48-hour manhunt, the shooter, who, as a rule, we don't try to give them any credit. Mm -hmm. um, so we still won't call his name. He shot and killed himself after a short pursuit in Pennsylvania. So right. I thought that while this was transpiring and a lot of people were paying attention, this was a great opportunity like to push the conversation forward about mental health. And get, oh, go, sorry. No, go ahead. I was, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was thinking like, you know, I think that I completely agree with you. Like we don't know if he suffered from some type of, um, mental illness or mental relapse or whatever it is that he experienced. He might not have suffered from anything, you know? Um, but I think it's definitely a door opener because that's something that so many people were paying attention to. And just the fact that it's so stigmatized that a lot of people who are suffering from and, and so taboo. afflictions there, it's, it's not, I don't know. It's just stigmatized. And there are a lot of people who aren't willing to seek help. Yeah. You know, I think the and I was talking to someone about this before this incident happened. I was riding my bike. And, you know, the interesting thing about mental illness, sometimes you don't show any symptoms prior to. Right. Right. And some, so I know his family had said, well, this is really like the first time that he's really ever did this. Truthfully, that doesn't mean that he didn't have any type of mental illness. He may just symptoms or indicators. Yeah. So it could have been something that was diagnosed, misdiagnosed or diagnosed late. But when kind of looking back in his history, there are definitely some things there that as a former mental health professional, I would say, hey, it gives me a reason to pause. Yeah. And so the difference for me is. Like you have that background, right? Sure. Myself, like I, I try to self-educate, but I, I'm not a person that's going to pick up on signals or pick up on signs, yeah. um, because it's not something that's talked about. That's not something that I think is broadcasted or things that we need to all be, even as a teacher, you know, like we, we're supposed to be able to pick up on a lot of things and I've been trained in a lot of different ways that if. I hadn't received the training that I have as a teacher, I wouldn't be able to pick up on certain indicators in children. And so parents, if you're not trained in that, you don't see it or not even trained. It's just not a discussion. Mental health was not something that I grew up having discussions about in my house. It wasn't something that I felt like was necessarily like looked down upon, but it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't, we didn't talk about it. Yeah. And so as a former professional in, in that discipline, I've observed things and I still observe them a number of times when people like they act like homosexuality, churches specifically, act like mm -hmm. homosexuality and mental illness is a demonic spirit. And so a lot of places they think that, you know, they can rebuke that spirit out of you or they can pray it out of you. And so I actually I, I tweeted something that said, I'm challenging pastors to stop telling people that you can pray those demons away. Mental health treatment is necessary. And so the tweet went somewhat viral. Well, it went viral by my standards. Um, <laughs> you know, forty eight thousand over forty eight thousand people saw the tweet. 
Which, yeah, I only I, have 291 followers, so what I consider to be viral is substantially different from what another person might. Yeah. So for me, it was just kind of like, man, you know, and some really good things happened from it. Like there was this one guy from Seattle that mm-hmm. reached out to me and said, hey, you're exactly right. I'm a veteran. I suffer from PTSD. And once I finally started seeing someone, they really put things in perspective. And so, like, we exchanged contact information. And we, awesome. and, and so, you know, a number of people started reaching out. I had, you know, a friend from school that reached out and said that he, he was in a bad space and could I help him get some help? So we mm-hmm. did that. But it was That's really amazing. It was really interesting to me that over 48,000 people saw that tweet. Not one pastor reached out. Not one. I mean, possibly none of the 48,000 people who saw your tweet uh, were pastors, maybe. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> Likely that that happened, 0.001%. Yeah, no, I, I totally feel that. I... I don't know. I it's a very like interesting line because I I do believe that like, you know, and this is me like I guess harping on my faith, but I do think prayer is powerful, but I think that there needs to be like you pray and then you also let's go get some help. Like <laughs> we Yeah. There are medications for this. There is treatment for this. There right. is um, and, you know, and psychologists and psychiatrists for this. I think that's the disconnect, right? So I had this I gave this talk a few years back at this church and we talked about my talk was basically the double dichotomy of faith. Mm-hmm. And an example that I used was, Hey, you know, how many people in here want a new job? And you know, most of the church raised their hand and said they wanted a new job. And I said, how many of you all are doing anything to get a job? And so then I said, "How many? I want you all to stand up if you think God's just going to provide the job for you. And so a good number of them just stood up. Mm-hmm. And so I said, hey, you know, I, I applaud your faith, but you have to do some things to help yourself. And so I always go back to that story in Pursuit of Happiness when little Jaden talks about the man that was drowning. Oh, my gosh. And uh, there were three I heard opportunities. that from my grandma first. Yeah, there were three opportunities to save him. And then he died and said, hey, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I tried three times. So, you <laughs> know, <laughs> yes, having faith, prayer, all those things are important. Those things are helpful. But I also believe that that my higher power, God, gives us resources to help us as well. Just kind of like if you're sick. You can pray that you get better, but you're also going to go to the doctor and get medicine. And I think that we have to really like simplify mental health and stop making it such a negative thing for people to get treatment. We have to stop saying things like the shrink and like making it seems seem as if it's something to be ashamed of. Right. Or that it's funny. Yeah. But I know that uh, growing up, I had some friends in school that once they were diagnosed with like ADHD or ADD and they went on prescriptions, their entire life changed. Some of these students went from like the most popular to them becoming like super isolated and such. And it was just kind of like, it was this whole aura around them and they, they bought into it. Like, okay, I'm different. So maybe something is wrong with me. And I, I think that's dangerous. No, I agree. 
I think that there are a lot of things that one are are dangerous. I think a lot of people come um, or approach the issues surrounding mental illness from a point of ignorance. Some people might not know the amount of hurt that they are inflicting upon other people. Some people might. They might be very well aware of the fact of that that's what they're doing and not see no, no need to change. But it's just, it's something that I, I find to be important. I find it also just as equally important to not like diagnose people, as I've said already. That can be extremely dangerous to just like diagnose people who do random acts of violence or random acts of anything or anything that's out of what we would consider to be the ordinary to be impacted by their mental health. It's just something that I think it needs to be like really, really tread, like we need to tread carefully with it. And that's like, I, I know one of the, another thing that's been popping up lately a lot is that new Netflix show. 13 Reasons uh, Why. Thir- yeah, 13 Reasons Why. And a lot of my students have been watching it. A coworker of mine, she's like binged it. I have no intention of watching it. I just from the research that I've done, um, because once I found out like generally that it was about issues surrounding suicide, that it just it wasn't something that I was interested in watching unless it was done in a way that I felt was helpful or and you know suicide's not romantic I don't want it to be romanticized I want there to be like there to be avenues of uh, you know this is how you get help or and from what I've read that's not something that the the creators of the show have really invested time yeah. Yeah. into making a part of the narrative. Yeah, I agree. So I watched it. Oh, I did not. I thought that 13 Reasons Why it was a noble attempt by the producers and the writers to. One of which is Selena Gomez. I thought it was a noble attempt to like push this conversation forward, which I appreciated. But I wish that. Like it's one of those shows I don't think teenagers should watch by themselves. I really think they need someone to help them process it. And at times suicide kind of comes off as a revenge plot. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like fantasized from like what I've read and what I've talked to people who watched it, which is whew. And some terrible things happen to the main character in that show. Mm. but like consistently every time she reached out to someone for help that person for one reason or another like didn't give her that help and i'm afraid that that type of logic like a lot of people are going to self-isolate maybe even more right i think from what I'm listening to from my students a lot of them have, we do a lot of anti-bullying work in my building and they've kind of talked about how it's they see, you know, it's important to like listen to people when, you know, they reach out and making sure they're not making fun of people. And I see that as a definite positive. But at the same time, 
when all the person receives in the show is like negative pushback, it's almost as if like seeking help is then stigmatized as somehow or yeah. like made to seem like if you do seek help, this will be the response, which yeah. is why part and, of it and, is and, revenge. Like, doesn't she take like revenge on a counselor or something like that? Yeah, she does. And, and so I think that's part of my problem with it as well is just kind of like, if I was someone going, because she really didn't have anyone to talk to in the show. Mm. And so I think that that may exacerbate those same issues. If someone else dealt with them, like they kind of, you know, it kind of makes it almost their normal now. Like, Oh, no point in me talking to my guidance counsel because they won't help me. So something else about the show, you know, leave it to social media to, it's really really interesting how some of these woke people on social media like are going in on some of these brands for their mishaps sometimes f-ups but they find a need to joke about serious things like suicide right right Aaron Hernandez allegedly committed suicide last week and one of the first tweets I saw, I wonder if he left 13 notes behind. Well, I wonder that he leaves some tapes behind on his calls uh, home. You know, it was just like really, really insensitive. And it honestly, it, it rubbed me extremely wrong. And I don't know if it's because. So for those of you all don't know, Aaron Hernandez is a he was a former NFL star who was convicted of murder from a 2013 murder he was convicted was serving life in prison and he was indicted for another double homicide but he was found right. not guilty what four or five days before he was found hanging in himself mm-hmm. and so i had corresponded with well he never wrote back but i had wrote to aaron hernandez and so i don't know if that if that's part of reason why that suicide hit home a little bit more for me mm-hmm. but Two things are happening after that, which I like for us to process pretty quickly. You know, number one, how people are making fun and making light of suicide, which no matter what a person does in their life, I will never, ever call them a coward for committing suicide. Right. And so I think, you know, it's rhetoric like that that really makes like people becoming vulnerable because with their mental illness of being transparent with it i think it's rhetoric like that 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 makes that even more difficult right because you know i've counseled and i've you know people have opened up to me about suicidal thoughts over the years and you know one thing i've always i've never no one else has ever heard about it and number two i've always tried to be as I was always authentic, but I think you have to be uh, very careful about you have to choose your words carefully. And, you know, this whole Aaron Hernandez thing, I, I just thought that the jokes, the memes, you know, all of that was completely inappropriate. And now people are numerous news organizations are writing questioning his sexuality. And they're well, using 
his alleged sexuality as an excuse or as a catalyst for him to commit suicide. I was like super dismayed when I got the original, like I got the, you know, the update on my phone. And so of course I log immediately into Twitter and like, like you said, like there were just jokes and memes upon memes, upon jokes, upon jokes and it was just really disheartening that some we would be celebrating celebrating his death and for me i was just really saddened to see that i was just really saddened to see it in general like i mean aaron hernandez could have possibly have done some really really horrible things sure absolutely and i'm not saying he did i'm not saying he didn't but I personally cannot celebrate like someone taking their own life, no matter what the circumstances surrounding it. I mean, he left a daughter, four year old. And I think that that, you know, I constantly was thinking about her in that instance and, and all that. And I, I definitely think there's a stigma surrounding um, masculinity and homosexuality sure. and all or bisexuality or whatever his preferences were yeah so the whole thing about hernandez's sexuality like i just i found it super interesting that the first 24 hours the entire narrative was there was no suicide note. there was no suicide note yep. and now they're coming out saying there were three notes and one was to his fiance, one was to his daughter, and one was to his gay prison lover. Which, you know, I, I just found that super interesting considering that Aaron Hernandez was in a single cell, locked away for 23 hours a day. He really didn't have contact with anyone else. So I, I don't even know where that really comes from. But. Well. I do know that it was it was part of the investigation. His his sexuality was a part of the investigation over the man that he murdered. That he was um, convicted of murdering. Yeah. That he was. Excuse me. Thank you. That he was convicted of murdering. Um, uh, I do know that that was like that had arose yeah. as a possibility for the reason why he killed him. Yeah. But for me, I just feel like. It's still distracting from the, from the, it's just still, I don't want to say distracting. It's still. I'm so tired of that word distracting. Yeah. <laughs> because everyone says that everything is a, is a distraction from Donald Trump. Like, that's don't why be I'm fooled. To, like, like, that's a work. distraction. Like, please, like, please. I, I'm really trying to mute the word distract from my Twitter timeline. <laughs> <laughs> that's where i am with this i'm just saying like i think that both conversations can be had we can have a conversation surrounding um mental health and seeking help where needed when we have feelings of or not even feelings just like a chemical imbalance some of this is like it's your brain your brain is not functioning in the way that it should be and so I think we can have a conversation about well, that. Well, and we can also we say in a way that it should be or the way that everyone else's does. Like, I, I don't know if I, if I would say the way that it should be. 
Well, I mean, there's some dopamine levels. Like if it, it, there are certain things that should your brain should be doing Fair enough. that it's not doing. Fair enough. Um, not trying to say that their brains aren't like are less than. I'm just saying like brains function in a prop in a way theirs isn't. So I think that like both conversations can be had. You can have the conversation about mental health and suicide prevention, and you can have a conversation surrounding his sexuality, if that's even something that needs to really be discussed in the light that it is. I think that it can be discussed without the serious negative overtones that it has. Everything is like, ooh, how bad, how terrible is this that he's possibly bisexual? I think that's stupid. Yeah, you know, I wanted to shout out. I have two friends that have really been transparent about their mental illness. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them, his name is Renshawn Miller. And he's been doing a lot of like talks with students, specifically in North Carolina, talking about how he was diagnosed and the way that he's handling it. Right. And as well as, I think Renshawn, he has started doing this locker room talk for men okay. which was like a conference call on like wednesday evenings so i want to shout him out then i have a friend another friend who i won't call her name uh, but she's been she's becoming more and more transparent about her battles with okay. not getting help like you know she had a great job great insurance package and every time she would go to the doctor or to a counselor they would pretty much say oh I don't really see anything wrong with you. And then she was hospitalized for a few weeks. Oh, wow. So, but I think that, you know, I found this table that I want to, I think that would be appropriate for us to share really quickly. And then mm. we can kind of give a few solutions and wrap it up. But sounds great. I guess I let, we would just alternate Danielle and I with this table. So, uh, what you shouldn't say to someone that's struggling with mental illness, it's is it's all in your head. But what you what would be a better way of saying something like that is I know you have a real illness and that's what causes these thoughts and feelings. Right. I think that's really important because it a lot of the things that we're gonna you know, what Tykeen's already said and what we're gonna talk about is you can't make it seem you can't trivialize the way people are feeling. They know themselves, they know their bodies. Them. And you can't blame them. Yeah, no. An another thing that hurts when we say it is, you know, we all go through times like this. I think that that's another instance of trivializing it. It's we, some, either some experiences that my friends have or feelings that they have that I will never go through or may never go through or have no idea. And so instead of saying like, we all go through times like this. I think it would be better if, you know, I may not be able to understand exactly how you feel, but I care about you and I want to help. And I think that that puts them first instead of just like, I think the other option is kind of like centering yourself. Like, oh, I've, I've been through that. I'm fine. Yeah. It's not about you. Something that you shouldn't say, which I've heard this numerous times, even as a counselor, I heard colleagues say this. You have so much to live for. Why do you want to die? And a better way of saying it is you are you are important to me. Your life is important to me. Yeah. Or what hurts is what do you want me to do? Or 
I can't do anything about your situation. Instead, what helps is like, tell me what I can do now to help you. Something that you shouldn't say is just snap out of it. Look on the bright side. And a better way of saying that would be you might not believe it now, but the way you're feeling will change. Right. What hurts is you'll be fine. Stop worrying. Just relax. What helps is you're not alone in this and I'm here for you. Another don't would be here's my advice. And uh, instead of saying here's my advice, I think you should say talk to me. I'm listening. I think that's super important because we should wait and listen and then wait for them to ask for advice instead of just giving it. Yeah, everyone doesn't want your advice. Yeah, nah. And sometimes your advice can make situations worse. Sure. Um, What hurts is uh, what's wrong with you? Shouldn't you be better by now? Um, That's putting a time limit on how someone feels or where they are in their own personal journey, your limits aren't their limits and no one can speak and say for someone else when we're supposed to be better. What helps instead is to say, I'm here for you and we're going to get through this together. Yeah. So that last statement that you made uh, about like putting a time limit on it and shouldn't be better right now, that really, this is going to sound weird. We, since the last time we did this episode, Danielle and I went to see Angela Davis. Yeah, she was dope. And, the you know, Angela Davis is like a huge feminist. And like she she challenged the men in the room to become feminist. And something that I've like really tried to adopt and become better at is accepting people for whomever they are and like not trying to push my own thoughts or opinions on them Mm. and uh so you know that whole thing like shouldn't you be better by now i think that like that really resonated with me because it's just kind of like like you said earlier this isn't about me and so the same thing like the same patience and courtesies that we offer to like women you know, I think we should be offering to all demographics, you know, members of the LGBTQIA community, people suffering from mental illness, people with, that are differently able physically. So I, I think that's the way for us to really like move forward and mm-hmm. help one another. It's just be a little bit more aware and conscious of other people. So, so uh, you know, it ain't no free lunch. We always like to give you some solutions so absolutely we're solution oriented i think that table was helpful but there were a few things uh we want to give you all a few solutions in closing so yeah about like what we can do and how you know all of us aren't going to be mental health professionals but we all know someone that's that's suffering with a mental illness yeah and that's that can be whether you know it or not and and we might not all be mental health professionals but we can all be mental health warriors and do what we can to make sure that people who are suffering from variation like you know different the different struggles that they have that they feel validated and that we can be a part of the process to Getting them back to, you know, or, you know, getting them to be their their best selves. So one of the things, and we kind of hit on this and, you know, are what hurts and what helps, but that we can do is be supportive and an active listener. 
just listen. Sometimes that's all people need you to do. Yeah, you know, when I when I was working at the prison, uh, we used to have this saying that you have two ears and one mouth, so you yeah. should listen twice as much as you talk. I think that's an actual African proverb. Probably. <laughs> There's no plagiarism in prison. Oh, of course not. Uh, be consistent. And so I think, you know, watching like 13 Reasons Why and, you know, some of the people that I've been connected with over the years, consistency matters. And so, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where you hit up people and you're there for them. Like if we see a catalyst, but afterwards we we kind of ignore them. So I remember I always tell this story about like when my father passed. You know, it really didn't hit me until after the funeral, because prior to the funeral, from the time he passed up to the funeral, people were always around bringing things by the house around family and friends. But afterwards, everyone just kind of forgets about you. And I think people with mental illness, that's like that's something that they really like that can be a a point. That's a struggle for them. Like when it's an everyday thing. Yeah. We forget they don't. Yeah. Another thing is, like I said, something that I'm trying to do is we need to learn just as much as we possibly can about mental health in general, regardless if you're in the profession or not. One of the people that I really look to is my friend Amber, excuse me, <clears throat> Dr. Amber Jolly. Shout you out, Amber Jolly. Recently got her PhD in clinical psychology. I learned so much from her about mental health and some of it's sought out some of it she just like bestows upon me and it's really really helped me kind of start my own research surrounding those types of issues and and really just become a better a better person a better advocate a a better friend so we just really need to like learn as much as we can yeah, and thing uh, I would say seek out resources, and of course there are plenty of them, plenty of people and things that can be of assistance for free, mm-hmm. or your insurance can pay for it as well. So definitely seek out resources, and if you need help, reach out to us. We're happy to help. Absolutely. Set uh, boundaries for yourself and for other people. So if you're a person who has struggled with any of the the things that we've talked about today, it, I think it's super healthy to set boundaries for yourself, toxic people and situations and saying that I'm not okay with this, I'm not okay with that, or just removing yourself when necessary. It's all about helping yourself out but also if you're not a person who's struggling with some of the the issues that we've talked about today set boundaries for yourself in terms of how you interact with other people again we don't know the struggles that people are facing and so some of the jokes and the things that we find to be funny or the insensitive comments or when someone just reaches out set boundaries for yourself know how to interact with people and what way what ways are appropriate what ways aren't because we never know what battle people are facing and i think it's just best that we all present our best selves to everyone else and not overstep those and uh 
I think a, an important one is change legislation. So there's every year there's a number of different uh, bills introduced. Like one of the things that I think we should really focus on on the federal level with Trump Care, the original uh, was it Affordable Health Care Act, his AHCA. Right. It was eliminating um, mental health treatment in like 2020. So insurance companies no longer had to cover you for mental health treatment. So, wow. Yeah, that's definitely something that we need to pay attention to. Wow. Yeah, definitely pay attention to because that's not going to be helpful in any way, shape, form or fashion. Yeah. I think also, lastly... And I mean, there's obviously so many other solutions that we could offer, but the last one that we're going to offer today is, I think in some ways, one of the most important things is person first language. It's something that I try to be conscious of. And if I haven't used person first language at any point in, in this podcast, like, you know, I, I apologize. It, I think it's something to understand that people who are suffering from mental health issues are people first. And so we need to start thinking about the ways that we refer to people who are suffering from some of the things that they're suffering from. And I think it's important to remind ourselves that these people are human, just like we're human, and they're just dealing with life uh, in a way that's a little bit differently. And making sure that we're labeling things and using the language that promotes humanity and promotes making sure that they're, whatever it is that they're going through is taken seriously and just leads to them living life as the best person they can. So... Uh... I want to thank you all for listening today and of course this is a we told you from the beginning this episode is a little bit different from what we're used to doing super different super different but but i think it was refreshing for me i think it was refreshing for me as well especially given all of the incidents that we've been seeing in the media lately um and just trying to figure out how to process it, but not just to process it. How can I take lessons from the things that I'm I've been seeing, and Maybe make try sure to stop that it in our community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, did we eat today? I think we definitely ate. We still have a lot. I still have a lot of more research to do about this and making sure that I'm being, you know. A, a positive advocate and a positive friend. But so, uh, I think we definitely ate today. Record next week, same time, same place. Sounds good. All right. Take care, y'all. See you soon. <laughs>